Hey everyone, and welcome to the Refuel Team Fairchild podcast. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Lance Haas. Our goal with this podcast is for Team Fairchild to get to know each other, our support programs, and to increase our sense of community and development. Every episode, we'll be interviewing people from around the base and learning about them, as well as their keys to success. Hey everybody, and on today's episode, we sat down with Mr. Will Saltis from the Health Promotion, or he is the Health Promotions Coordinator here on Fairchild. Will, how's it going? Great, thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your time. I know that you're a really busy dude, and we've known each other for uh, a while now, and you've always been very gracious of your time and uh, really nice and helped me out with all the different classes that we put on. So I appreciate the time to sit down and learn more about you and about your stuff. Absolutely. Excited to be here. So we start off with everybody kind of wants to know, how did you get to be here? Yeah, so like everyone else, uh, long story, um, started off in the Air Force. I was a uh, electronic intelligence uh, analyst and uh, got out in the early 2000s when I, uh, when I left the Air Force. I, I left with my then ex-wife. She was also Air Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both got out together to uh, pursue... Uh, our education. Um, for me, it was my master's. For her, it was her bachelor's degree. And um, so we, you know, we uh, we got out, and she uh, pursued a career in medicine. And once uh, she got accepted to medical school, she went back into the military. So I became a dependent at that point. Gotcha. Um, and. Uh, my career was starting to, to really take off. I had just uh, got my master's degree in, in exercise science and uh, started working with the Detroit Tigers. Um, I started to move up fairly quickly in that system and got promoted. And uh, all of a sudden there became a, uh, a, a huge decision for us to make. Uh, while I uh, was promoted into the uh, Tigers system, she was also uh, been accepted to a medical school in California. So, oh. so from there, we, uh, we moved to California. We sat down, we talked about it, we discussed it, and, and felt as though that was the right move at that time. And, uh, um, and, it, and it ended up actually working out wonderful. Uh, she went to medical school, and I had the, uh, the, my dream job, essentially. I was working in a sports performance facility, and uh, working with five other strength and conditioning coaches, physical therapists, uh, Pilates instructors, and uh, it, was, it was an amazing scene, amazing environment with uh, a lot of great athletes ranging from Olympian athletes to uh, a lot of professional athletes, collegiate athletes, and uh, a lot of high school athletes as well. So it was a, a booming business and uh, it was incredibly uh, a rewarding experience. Um, we then, obviously, uh, as I had mentioned, she was a, a uh, military uh, doctor, and so obviously that means you're you're going to be moving. You're in the military. So, <laughs> yeah. yep. uh, her first assignment was in Germany, and so we moved over to Germany together. I probably struggled uh, with. Not being in Germany, I loved Germany, but uh, being a dependent, being away from the things that I love doing, mm-hmm. uh, there is no uh, 
uh, easy road to becoming a strength and conditioning coach over in, in Germany. Okay. And and that obviously I don't speak the language, so yeah, there's definitely <laughs> so, a barrier then. So yeah. there's <laughs> definitely some barriers, and uh, I, I you know I, I think that uh, uh, was very hard on both of us. She had she was very used to seeing me in a uh, in that role and very confident and comfortable in what I did, and so it was a, definitely adjustment and. Uh, an adjustment we didn't handle well and uh, you know that was really where our our lives together ended Uh, so I ended up coming back to the states trying to figure out my next steps and uh, Fairchild was Fairchild was it for me Um, I had a uh, a lieutenant colonel Albright uh, hire me for this position there was also a job in Charleston, uh, same job in Charleston, uh, South Carolina. Uh, that, uh, and I had to make a, a decision. I was actually on my way to Charleston uh, because this job hadn't completely uh, okay. opened up yet. And uh, on my way driving to Charleston Air Force Base, uh, Colonel Albright called me up and said, Hey, we, you know, you're our number one. We really want you for the job. And so I went to bed that night, still thinking I was going to Charleston, woke up, said, you know, Colonel Albright's been great. We've had a lot of really great uh, conversation, a lot of great dialogue, and and that was my number one choice to begin with. Okay. Um, and just because I've taken two days to travel to Charleston Air Force Base um, doesn't necessarily mean that's where I should continue. If If Fairchild is number one, then... That is where I should, you know, that's where I should travel to. So I ended up calling Charleston and, and letting them know that uh, I was interested in the Fairchild job and I would be heading to Washington. So that's kind of my uh, my career path and uh, wow. what's got me to uh, Fairchild. So like everyone else, it's a, a long winding road and a lot of times you... Uh, uh, I hit with some changes and you have to adjust and you have to improvise a little bit and, and go from there. That's some, that's a heck of a lot of gumption. I mean, <laughs> what was it about Fairchild? Was it uh, Colonel Albright, you said, that, that relationship that when you were coming back, was Fairchild always on the list or were you just shotgunning out resumes and, hey, need a job, got to pay the bills? And I mean, was it a mixture of both of those? or? You know? Yeah, so when I got back from... Germany I I wasn't exactly sure what my next step was going to be so absolutely what you just said I was just sending resumes out to wherever there was jobs available what inspired me to come to Fairchild was actually they were building a brand new fitness center uh, that he had uh, discussed with me Um, but really it was all about Colonel Albright Uh, and sometimes in the uh, civilian hiring Mm -hmm. um, you may have uh, an interview you may not. My interview uh, at Charleston was was very short, five minutes. I honestly didn't think that I uh, got the job, you know, when oh. I when I hung up, and that was really the last I heard of them uh, from anyone at Charleston. Um, they and then all of a sudden I received an email saying that I had the job, um, but. Colonel Albright during this whole time period was in communication with me and, and uh, had talked to me quite a bit and, and we had just dabbled, uh, established a rapport gotcha. um, and so I, I think again in that civilian career field sometimes it it's really base dependent as to the type of 
you know, conversations that you have before you're actually hired. Some, in some cases, it's very little. In some cases, it's, it's a lot more. And with Colonel Albright, I just felt a connection and very comfortable. So it was really less about uh, the location at that time and much more. I had moved all over, you know, I'm a, originally from small town Maine, you know, that's where I lived, that's where I went to college. And uh, <clears throat> so, and then once I got into the military, then, you know, I had lived in South Carolina, Florida, Alabama, you know, in, in California. So I was used to traveling and, and uh, <laughs> really didn't mind where I ended up. But uh, it was the connection that I made with Colonel Albright that brought me up here. A lot of times we think that we're interviewing for a job, but at the same time, like you just proved, you know, the interviewer or the job, you gotta, you gotta do that sort of weight and balance and analysis from your end to make sure that you do want to work for them. And if you got a company that, you know, you do a five minute interview with, and then there's no more connection, you know, you're not really necessarily feeling it like developing a rapport and stuff like that, like Colonel Albright did. That's, that's an important thing to know. But. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and again, you know, I, I had uh, a lot of military experience, you know, I had worn the suit, I had been a dependent, um, so I, but I had never been a civilian, you know, and yeah. so, uh, and, and uh, so just getting that, uh, that having that connection with Colonel Albright was, was really big for me, so. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Okay, so we got some questions here to kind of go down. Yeah. So tell us about health promotions. Yeah, so, so obviously, as I had mentioned, um, I'm much more of a strength and conditioning coach, sports medicine guy. That's where I was brought up. Uh, that's, that's what I know. And so to me, I'm not a health promotion coordinator. Um, I, am a, I am in the military. I work with military people, and so mm -hmm. the importance of my job, in my view, and hopefully in everyone else's view, is, is it's about that readiness and that resiliency, that performance piece of it. Um, uh, I believe that if we focus more on performance, if we focus more on that readiness aspect, health will take care of itself, at least what I can control from a health standpoint, right? right? That preventative piece of it. Uh, obviously, if there are other complications, disease, illness, and things like that, you know, I that is where providers come in, and that's where they they shine, and that's where they're wonderful. Right. Uh, my job, especially in the reason why I you know I wanted to either work with athletes or or airmen, is because I I enjoy working that performance piece. I enjoy you know being a part of that readiness uh, component, and so. Um, while we say health promotion, uh, I always want our leadership to understand I am really about helping your airmen from that performance piece. Um, and so it's really trying to change that narrative a little bit as well. Yeah. You know, the, the Hawks in the health promotion have always been known as a health and wellness center. And really, they're still, re in many ways, they're still reactive programs. So a lot of times they're sent if they are struggling with their fitness assessment, if they failed their fitness assessment, if they're struggling with their abdominal circumference. Uh, and that's really the only time 
that supervision or leadership or even the airmen are going to come and see us, right? So it, right. again, it's still very much reactive. Right. Um, and so I really, we have really worked hard in trying to change that narrative and letting people know, you know, use our services because we want to help you from that performance piece. We want to help you from that readiness. And when I talk about readiness, what does that look like? So when I worked with athletes, obviously I knew what their uh, their job demands were, right? Right. I knew w what the trends were in that particular uh, sport uh, as far as injuries were concerned. And mm -hmm. so as a strength and conditioning coach, we would work with a physical therapist um, and, and, and develop programs to mitigate or reduce injury. Uh, and we do that through understanding what their sport requires, the demands it requires. Um, and then we develop programs that are going to help them you know, be stronger in the areas that they need to be stronger in. So yeah. it's not just simply about you know, you know, lifting some weights, maybe doing some bench press or some squats or you know, something like that. Or uh, it was really about, okay, what do you do day in and day out? And how can we reverse engineer that to make sure that we're making you as strong as possible in those planes of motion? And that's so when I think about going out and working with uh, leadership, whether it be with CE or security forces, those are the things that I want to know. Um, what are your, you know, career, uh, your, the job demands? Right, um, right. And how can I help you from a preventative standpoint reduce those injuries so that your guys are performing at a higher level because again if we're not dealing with pain you know when we're doing all the right things you know getting enough sleep which is incredibly important making sure that our diets are you know in check and then we're doing that physical uh, component to it then we're going to perform at a higher level and at the end of the day we're going to be our injury rates will decrease or that's the right. that's my theory that's uh that's what i I, I, I assume will happen. And you, I mean, I 100% agree with that. And I'm, you probably got, you know, success stories to back up your assumptions for that for sure. I would imagine. Right. I mean, you've been doing this for a little bit. Right? Yeah. You know, and, 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 and so I have, and, um, and we're doing something, uh, a really great program right now, uh, called the human performance cell. And, and it, it, that program I really enjoy because it's it's taking a look at it from a micro and a macro level. So it's still doing some of that clinical care. Mm -hmm. uh, we have physical therapy involved. We have uh, Major Smith and, and uh, the, the behavioral health team involved with that. And, and uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tonarelli and, and Dr. Justin Clifford for physical therapists. And then we have the registered dietitian, Miss Allison Cresser. Uh, all working on that program and we again it's kind of like that sports medicine team where we're all working together um, really trying to figure out where this individual besides just muscle skeletal care where else do they what is preventing them from maybe getting full treatment of muscle skeletal care so I'll give you an example let's say okay. there's someone that has uh, has had a, a significant knee injury and maybe they've gone to a physical therapist in the past, 
Um, maybe they've gone to a provider in the past and, and, you know, whether right or wrong, maybe they didn't think that they got the treatment that they deserved. Okay. And so now they're dealing with some barriers or maybe that knee injury is so significant that there are barriers because they're really concerned about doing it again. Mentally, sometimes, you know, that mind can be huge. Mm -hmm. And so we as a team sit down and say, okay, here are some of the barriers that we're seeing. You know, it may be from a nutrition standpoint. Hey, this guy, you know, his diet is full of uh, inflammatory foods. And we know that if he's going to, you know, if we want him to heal at a, at a, at a quicker rate, then we need to, you know, promote an anti-inflammatory uh, uh, diet uh, for, for the individual. Uh, so there's a lot of different components that go into someone's recovery. And that's really what we're trying to focus on, whether it be the nutrition aspect, the fatigue and, and, and sleep aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, or just the, the mental barriers that uh, the individual may have just because of maybe poor, uh, poor experiences in the past. And so we're really working uh, in all of those capacities. So that's, you know, that's where we're at right now. But it all really started with SEER. Okay. And this was, you know, uh, 2013, 14, somewhere uh, in, in that time frame. And uh, the leadership had come over to me and, and, and was aware of my background in, in sports medicine and, and working uh, with athletes in the past and working in professional sports. And so they had said, hey, um, our graduation rates are have, you know, been decreasing. Uh, we've only had a few graduate uh, last year. We only had a few graduate, you know, in, in the class before this. Where, you know, we're really concerned about this class and their graduation rates. And at that time, it becomes starts to become, you know, problematic, right? Oh yeah, um, yeah, for sure. If we're not, if we don't have SEER specialists, then you know, it's hard to train the pilots, you know. And so it was, it was a concern and. Uh, so that's really where I started to integrate with, with squadrons at that time. And, and again, it, it's one thing that you learn as a strength and conditioning coach is, is it's never about you. Your programs uh, are never about you. Uh, it's always about them. And that, the reason why that program was so successful is because of the SEER leadership. Uh, gotcha. It was very little to do with me. Um, I integrated with them. I, I looked at what they were doing uh, from a fitness standpoint. I looked at what they were doing uh, day in and day out, you know, and, and observed their weight training sessions and, and saw that we could make some modifications to that. Saw that, uh, you know, we could definitely add some, uh, uh, some programming in that would really touch on what they're doing day in and day out and, and make them stronger in there. I spent about six months with them and we had Ms. Cresser also talking to them about, you know, nutrition right, and things. Right. Uh, they generally, you know, there are a lot of athletes in the, in the SEER community. So, um, they're hungry for that information, but a lot of times they do pretty well when they're home. It's all of a sudden when they're, you know, out on their, 
in the in the wilderness. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, when they're doing their training, right? Yeah. And you know, and we were seeing some uh, some sometimes some bad habits there, right? They were bringing <laughs> a lot of snacks that weren't necessarily healthy, but com- you know, they were more convenient than healthy. Let's say, right, right. And so, what ended up occurring was they had. Uh, the highest graduating class in over 25 years. Holy crap. Um, so they went to having, uh, you know, some some major concerns with their graduation rates to um, some of the highest graduation rates in, 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 in many, many years. And again, um, I changed some things up, but at the end of the day, it was uh, it was the leadership. And, and I think that's the take home. It it. it it wasn't about any programming that I, I had done. I mean, as I had mentioned, there was some modifications um, to that, but uh, leadership plays such a valuable role and it was very, very important to them. And it was very obvious and evident that it was an important you know, um, thing to them. And, and, and including me uh, was just an example of that and in in not only uh, leadership including me but leadership you know really listening and saying okay what can we do they were um, it was a great leadership team and that they were definitely looking for answers and uh, so they were all 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 ears and and was very willing to incorporate a lot of the things that I was saying so so that's really where it all began and then we worked with security forces um, for a while in a program called COTFIT. Uh, we've also had what is called the Functional Return to Duty Clinic. And okay. so it's always, you know, for us, it's, um, you know, when I say us, I mean me and Allison over at the Health Promotion Office. It's always really been more about that performance piece and that readiness uh, piece with the, with with leadership. So Yeah, I, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, if the leadership isn't buying into the program, you could be selling them the best things since sliced bread. And if they don't back it, their people don't see the reason to back it either. Right. So, yeah. You know, absolutely. And, 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 and I get it. And, and, you know, even when I was in strength and conditioning, you really see those parallels where, okay, if they're working hard, training hard, then we're going to see those results on the, on the field. Right. It's getting that buy-in from, you know, in, in that situation, the coaches in, in here is that leadership and, and leadership is always so mission driven, you know, a great thing. Uh, that's, that's right. not a bad thing. Um, but I say that in that a lot of times leadership would love to have incorporate me. I have no doubt about it. Right. But a lot of times it's that, you know, where do I, where, where do I, you know, take something out? in order to, you know, have Will come over and work with us. It's, it's hard, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, time is, is definitely a, a, a challenge for, for us all. You know, we talk about, you know, you sit in a lot of the, uh, the cap meetings with me, you know, mm-hmm. one of the biggest concerns that we have on this base is, is, uh, fatigue, right? Um, it's, 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 so I understand, you know, that, while leadership would understand the value and the importance, it's also hard to understand, well, where can I, you know, where can I fit Will in, you right. know, and, and how much time does he need? And do I, 
uh, have that amount of time that I can allot him, you know, and in so there are, you know, there are several questions that um, are hard to answer a lot of times. And so I, I, I said SEER leadership was wonderful in which they were, um, but I do believe that our leadership has, you know, uh, throughout has, you know, really been wonderful and understand um, some of these the problems that we face it's gotcha. just there's it's multifaceted in many ways in that you know there's a mission and that there's also you know uh, time and all of these other constraints that are going yeah. on as well where do we you know where do we fit that in so yeah you're absolutely it's it's tough and it's a balancing act for everybody now you do this for big groups of do if if an individual is just like, hey, yeah, I'm self-identifying. I are they more than welcome to walk in there and or again, is it a time factor that you need a group or are individuals welcome to come in there and get personalized programs for this sort of stuff or yeah, so yet? yeah, so I, I, so we can break that up into to two different. So there's an HPC and the HPC is you know so the human performance cell is much more. Um, Again, it's it's physical. Our team is physical therapy and in behavioral health, and, and our registered dietitian, and so we really try and break that up into uh, time periods because it's an eight week program. Gotcha. Okay. And so we're working with a few squadrons um, that have identified they are willing to to work with us and and allow airmen to you know to be removed from their from their mission for uh, eight weeks now it's only an, an hour a day so, you know three times a week monday wednesday and friday one hour okay. we're asking them to come over and do some uh, physical therapy and there's also some nutrition consults along the way as well as some behavioral health so there is definitely a com uh, time commitment but again it's it's well written in that it's an eight-week program you know, we make it very clear as to what they're getting into and what our expectations are right from the very beginning. So that's that's the, the human performance cell. Uh, you know, as far as the health promotion, we uh, definitely, in, I would say what I like to see the most is supervisors reaching out to us and saying, hey, Will, can you come over and or can we come over and, and you put on a, a running clinic for us? Absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. Hey, can you uh, talk to us about the importance of nutrition? Absolutely, Allison can do that. You know, and when, when we talk about nutrition, we can look at it several different ways. So, um, you know, performance nutrition or uh, how to eat on a budget or how to eat on shift work, you know, so all yeah. kinds of different things. Um, that you know that we can focus on as far as that nutri nutrition component but we like for supervisors to reach out to us work with their flights uh, in in try and touch on some areas of concern for them whatever right. it may be if it's you know tobacco if it's fatigue you know whatever those areas may be let's focus on your flight let's try and make our presentation to match what your needs are that is a much better concept than just having, okay, let's, you know, let's have a nutrition class or let, where right. now all of a sudden, that's great that you're getting some general information as far as nutrition or, or fitness is concerned. Uh, but it's always much better if we can match what 
you know, that flight's, you know, needs are, and then we can present something to them that is going to uh, really address that area. And the other thing is, is, um, so flight supervision and having them contact us, mm -hmm. I think that's always a, a better method than, again, doing a one-on-one -on -one consult. We can definitely do the one-on-one -on -one consults, and we will. But let's get some inf you know some basic information first. Right. Right. Uh, the other thing is is you know the one aspect that I think I miss the most about being a strength and conditioning coach is the mentoring that comes with it. When I'm working as a strength and conditioning coach, you're working with that athlete every single day. Um, so you build up a rapport with them, and that's something special and it's unique. Uh, you know they start to trust you. Um, they start to talk to you about everything, not just about, you know, their training program or getting better or their performance. All of a sudden they start talking to you about their girlfriend or, you know, their yeah. family or, you know, and you start to develop, you know, that relationship with them. And I encourage everyone that comes over and sees us to build a rapport with us because I'm going to know you a lot better and I'm going to understand what your needs are whether it be in the weight room, running, nutrition-wise, whatever it is, if I can really start to establish a relationship with you. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, unfortunately, you know, uh, we get individuals uh, that come over and either want a nutrition plan or a fitness plan. We can and we do, but I don't really know you that well, so it's going to be fairly generic at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the more and more that I can understand your needs and, and where you are, and, and again, your needs, you know, how much sleep are you getting? What is your job? What are your job demands? What's the operational tempo of your job? You know, what do you like doing, you know, from a yeah. fitness standpoint? Um, you know, so the more and more I know about you, the better, you know, the programming is going to be at the you know at the end of the day so and, and I just think you know there's trust you feel more confident in what I'm telling you because there's that trust involved as opposed right. to just going over to the health promotion office and getting a program because my supervisor told me to or something you know so I'm just a face I'm just a person at that point yeah but the more you can come over and the more you can work with me then you know you start to build that rapport and that trust and and that's where really all the magic happens, you know? Yeah. So uh, I, I, I think a lot of times people don't understand that as far as when they go over to health promotion. They think, okay, well, I got this program. So, and, and I'm going to be honest with you as well. Um, generally, the, the programs, whether it be nutrition or fitness or sleep, hygiene, or whatever it is, it's probably, no, it's not rocket science, right? Right. And I don't. I don't pretend to have this like magic program that is, <laughs> is, you know, is going to reduce everyone's injuries or anything like that. Um, but what it hopefully will do, and again, the more you come over and the more you build that rapport, then all of a sudden you have that accountability coach and, and say, hey, you know, uh, you know, well, I'm doing so much better in this or my knee isn't bothering any anymore my my lower back pain's gone away man I, I've cut a minute and a half off my runtime you know and, right. and starting to build that rapport uh, I think is special and unique and uh, that's really what I uh, strive for when anyone comes through the health promotion office 
I love that because I mean, you're so right. You know, you, if you get a cookie cutter plan, if I go into whatever organization that's supposed to help me and I get, okay, here's a plan that you just, you know, copied and pasted and downloaded that half the stuff on there, I'm going to blow off anyway. Right. But if I know you and you know me, you're going to know that I'm going to blow half that stuff off and you're going to tailor it to where I, you know, the more and more we talk, the more and more stuff on that program, you know, I'm going to be vested in doing. And the more I see it working, it's just a multiplier back and forth and back and forth. I can totally see how that would be a lot more useful than just a, well, I went, I went there, they gave me a, a diet sheet. I followed it for two days. I didn't like it. And now I'm still having this problem. Right. It, yeah. It makes perfect sense. That's yeah. You know, and, and, and the reality is too, is like I said, you know, there is no one magic program out there, no matter if it's the greatest strength and conditioning coach, you know, in the world or whoever it is. I mean, that's you, obviously. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, but no, the reality is, is there's no magic program. It's really what works best for you. And, um, you know, I look at myself as just being someone that can help give guidance and consult you along the way. Uh, I know that uh, at least 50%, and I would say a, a much higher number of individuals that come over and get a program uh, from me generally don't follow it very much. Um, and the reason that is, is because they have something that they enjoy doing already. Mm -hmm. uh, they think that they want this program, but a lot of times once they, once they have the program, they're like, ah, his isn't that much different than mine. I really like what I'm doing. I don't really like this exercise that he gave me. So I'm just going to do this. And so it ends up, you know, they just go back oftentimes to what they're already doing anyway. Okay. Um, so I'm just there really to try and provide that guidance to them and, and really help them. Because again, as long as I don't see anything that is incredibly detrimental or is a high, that doing something that's going to be a much higher risk, then go for it. You know, uh, gotcha. you know, do that program. If that's what makes you happy and that's where, where you seem to be making the best progress, I don't know you that well. So... If that's where you're making your progress, then that's great, you know. So, uh, and, and I think that's the same way with nutrition. Allison can give you a, a great nutrition program and, and some wonderful recommendations. But if you go home and you're not interested in cooking, the, the greatest, <laughs> you know, the greatest nutrition program in the world uh, is all for naught um, because you have some other options that you would rather you know, uh, yeah. or choose to eat, you know, uh, besides what she gave you. And so it's just about, you know, understanding the person that you're consulting with and understanding that person. And, and again, the more and more you, you work with us, then the, the, the more confidence you will have in us and uh, the better that, that programming will be. Even if it just is a, again, even if it's just that uh, accountability coach where, hey, you know, Will, you know, uh, really improving. I'm really seeing a difference in my in my run, or I'm really seeing a difference in my run times. Or hey, Allison, you know, I, I've really you know I've lost ten pounds, you know, off of the recommendations that you gave me. 
things. So, you know, even if we're that accountability coach, I think that is special and, and important. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, the far few too many times that I do see you in the gym, because I'm not there, you're always there. <laughs> even though I haven't went there and taken advantage of that, it's still because I see you and I know you, I'm like, oh, I got to push a little bit harder because I see Will. You know, yeah. it, 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 just that relationship of you naturally want to do good for people. Right. You know? so, Absolutely. Yeah, and, I and I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad, you know, and you mentioned that, too, because, you know, as a strength coach, you're in the gym all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's you, because you want to be available to the athlete. And so if an athlete says, hey, my schedule works out, I can only work out at six. As a strength coach, you're never saying no. I can't. I can't make it at six. You're there at six. Yeah. And if a co- you know, and if an athlete says, "Hey, uh, the only time I can work out is eight o'clock at night," you're there at eight. You know, I mean, there is obviously some adjustments. Maybe you have to. Maybe you go home in the afternoon, or you know, to spend some time with the family or whatever. But right. at the end of the day, you're trying as best as you possibly can to accommodate every athlete you're working with. And so, I've always taken that. Um, and I've tried to apply it here as well. So, you know, just like you said, if, you know, if you come over at six o'clock in the morning, six thirty, you're going to see me out there on the floor and I try and make myself visible. Uh, if you come over, you know, sometime in the afternoon, I'm going to try and, and be there. And, uh, and I generally try and, and stay, uh, past the, the duty hours, just to be in that environment and just to be there. And right. if anyone has any questions, I mean... Um, I'm always willing to, you know, to answer them and, and, and I do, and I could be absolutely mistaken here, but I do feel as though a lot of people see that and, and I have become much more approachable because that I'm not hiding out in an office or I'm not, um, you know, uh, closing the door and and not being available. I I think people see that and, um, you know, and so, uh, I do have a lot of individuals that will come in and, and just talk shop a lot of times too. So, so that's great. Where do you think this passion came from? You know, I, I was an athlete, you know, growing up and, uh, it's funny that you asked that because strength and conditioning is a relatively new career. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say probably there was, you know, the original strength and conditioning coaches probably were started up in, uh, in, uh, mid 70s I, I believe the Dallas Cowboys were one of the first teams to adopt a strength and conditioning coach but uh, it really wasn't called a strength and conditioning coach at that time it was just some guy that knew strength and conditioning pretty okay. well and and uh, so but you look back at the athletes of you know the 70s let's say and you you see pictures of athletes smoking you see athletes of you know I mean they would work during the off season they weren't obviously getting the salaries that they do today. Um, and, and so when I was in high school, um, a little bit older, so when I was in high school, I would always say, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to, you know, I want to improve individuals' performance. I want to help make them faster, stronger, wow. bigger. And so they would, they would say, so you want to be a physical therapist? And I was like, no, I don't want to work with injured athletes I want to really work more with athletes that aren't injured and uh, really no one you know my my guidance counselors at that time really didn't have any guidance for me unfortunately (laughs) they didn't know where to uh 
to uh, to recommend what universities. And so uh, I ended up just getting the basic health education and exercise science degree originally. And uh, um, but it really my first my bachelor's degree really didn't lead me down the the right path still uh i was still had a lot of questions as to how how to get there yeah and so that's my journey into the air force and that's why i went into the into the air force um the reason why i didn't stay in the air force is simply because my passion was towards performance and i didn't get a job in in the medical career field i didn't get a job as a physical therapist assistant i had a job as intel uh i loved it loved the military but i wasn't passionate towards intel so i would come home at night and start reading other books about performance and strength and conditioning and Mm -hmm. and uh you know and so i realized you know I, i i gotta get my master's and and so once I got my master's, then the field was opening up a little bit more. And that's, it still wasn't, you know, nowadays it's much more competitive than when I graduated with my master's. So once I got my master's, that's how I originally got in with the Detroit Tigers is I did an internship for them. Okay. And uh, once I get, did the internship, the head strength and conditioning coach uh, really uh, enjoyed the work that I had done for them. And uh, interestingly enough, the, here's a little history for you. The Detroit Tigers uh, minor league complex, which is where everyone goes in for spring training, mm-hmm. is on an air for an old Air Force base in uh, Lakeland, <laughs> uh, Florida. Huh. And so I was just recently married, uh, less than two months, and I was accepted for an internship, but that meant I had to move away from where we were living at the time and move to Florida. Well, she was obviously still uh, finishing up her degree at that time. So mm-hmm. less than two months married and I pack up and head down to Florida and uh, I'm living on a old Air Force base. I am uh, <laughs> living in the dorms of an old Air Force base. But with that, that gave me all the time in the world to devote to them. So literally, you know, you have 150 athletes, you know, baseball players uh, that are either working out at different times of the day. So six o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night. Uh, wow. And it's seven days a week, right? Baseball season is uh, seven days a week. So it would not be unusual to, to, uh, start off around six with those first meetings. Uh, in those first meetings, they're talking about every injury, you know, and that's really where we, you know, started talking about that HPC and bringing that team together and, Mm -hmm. and really talking about where are they progressing? Where are they in their, in their, in their treatment plan? Um, but we had those type of meetings every single day. Uh, you know, that was the first meeting of the day is to, to go over each athlete in their rehabilitation pro, uh, period. So that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah it's pretty cool. Yeah. Anything else on that before we go? No. So I guess I, I uh, probably didn't even answer that. Um, I, uh, I do, as you can see, once you get me rolling, I, I talk <laughs> a lot, but to, to answer it, uh, my passion came, you know, just from athletics and, gotcha. and, uh, it, you know, with the tiger organization, it was great, but it was incredibly time consuming. Uh, some of the athletes at that time still didn't know what you were doing. Uh, a lot of great 
baseball players at the time wanted to play baseball, but they didn't necessarily want to be in the in the weight room all the time. Gotcha. Some of them were even still concerned. You know, uh, back when I was in high school, there was always a concern with getting too muscle bound for a baseball player. Uh, so there was always those concerns as well. Some of the manager baseball managers still had those concerns at that time a lot of the players had that concern so obviously if there is concern that they're going to their their baseball skills will diminish because of the things i'm doing they're not going to be on board right 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 and so i really developed so that was a great experience but that was definitely not my best job uh you know i thought it would be I thought working in professional baseball or sports in general, yeah. that's where I wanted to be. That's why I went and got my master's. But once I moved out to California uh, for my wife to go to medical school, that's where it all clicked. That's where, you know, the rapport with the athletes and, you know, mm-hmm. um, just, I mean, I, I used to literally tell my ex-wife all the time, I feel like I'm on vacation. I don't even feel like I'm working. This wow. is, this is uh, I would do this for no money. This is amazing. So I hope we all find something like that. Cause that is, that's badass. Really. Yeah. I mean, how many people actually through their career get to say that they had a job that they were that passionate about? That's, I'm so happy for you. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay. So some more questions for you. Yeah. If we can go down here, how do you define success? Uh, success is, uh, I think incredibly individualized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also think a lot of times when we t- when we use these terms, we look at it fairly s- static uh, versus dynamically. So success, you can have successes, I, I think, in in some of your programs, right? Um, but that doesn't define the program itself um, or you as an individual. Um, and, and what I I guess where I'm going with this is is your life is an open book. Your life is an ongoing story. And so if you're happy with a certain success that you've achieved, then I don't know if you're necessarily striving towards what you should be. And that okay. is, you yeah. know, for continued success, you know, uh, I can have success in that, you know, my goal back in the day was to get a master's degree. So I can consider that a success. But if you stop right there, what good is it, right? And so I think it's very important that people um, really look at it in a dynamic situation. And even with myself, let's say, you know, I I just described uh, a a, a wonderful experience I had. And then I moved over to Germany. I wasn't feeling incredibly successful over there, you know. (laughs) And even then, you know, with anything, with, you know, obviously uh, my professional career wasn't successful over there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, my personal life wasn't very successful over there because, uh, you know, I believe when you get married, it's it's forever and it should be. And that's what your ultimate goal should be is to stay in that relationship forever. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm not any longer, you know, uh, married to her. And therefore, uh, some of that has to fall on me, you know, and, and I. Right. You know, even though it was her decision to get divorced, I, as I look back, I realized there was a lot of things that I could have done better as well. Um, I could have handled that situation a lot better. Um, You know, I could have understood that, hey, I'm just in a 
holding period professionally right now, and that's okay. You know, I can develop other skills. I can gotcha. do this, but you know, I was probably too much focused on myself and me not professionally. Uh, and, and, and that may be uh, sometimes, and I don't want to generalize, but that may be a, a male thing sometimes too, you know. Um, yeah. We need to feel, and we have to have a job that uh, we feel successful in to, you know. Providers. Yeah, yeah. right. Absolutely. And so, you know, so I, I definitely, to answer that, you know, the successful question, I definitely wasn't successful during that time period. That doesn't mean I haven't had successes, nor does that mean I won't have successes in the future. But at that time in, in my life, I, you know, I, I can't look at it as a, an incredibly successful ta- uh, time period. I grew from it. I learned from it, you yeah, know, but yeah. uh, it wasn't a successful time. So I think we just have to, you know, understand where, you know, in a certain time, each, you know, each year, each you know, maybe PCS is is a new chapter, mm-hmm. and we just have to redefine ourselves and, and figure out what is going to make me successful, you know, during this PCS or during these next couple of years. And, and we can't focus always on, you know, our either successes of the past or our failures of the past. We can just grow from it and, and try and learn from it. So I love that because it, it keeps you humble too, because yeah. if you're always... If you're always resetting that goal, you're never you're never on top sitting on all your successes. Ha ha, look what I've done. And you're always like, okay, I'm going after that, which in my mind, and tell me if you support this or not, obviously, yeah. it, it kind of puts you back in that learner state, which is all, could almost be considered a subordinate role of, okay, I'm learning, I'm trying, I'm, you know, so you don't have necessarily that ego of, well, look at everything that I've done. You know, you're like, no, I'm still trying to figure this thing out. Right. No, I absolutely. Love that. I yeah. love that. And I think, you know, in, 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 as you mentioned, you know, it's, it's about being a lifelong learner, right? I mean, once you think you've got it all figured out, you know, I mean, that's uh, a recipe for failure right there, you know. Um, you mm-hmm. grow every day. You learn every day. And uh, hopefully you're motivated and passionate to, to grow and learn every day. I, you know, the, the amazing thing I've been I've been. You know, I started college in 90 with the exercise science thing. I am always amazed at how much I don't know and how much I'm still learning. I mean, I listen to podcast. you know, when you see me at six o'clock in the morning on the treadmill or whatever, I'm listening to podcasts um, and I'm listening to podcasts on, you know, strength and conditioning on nutrition or, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that's what drives me, you know, so... You know, the only other things outside of, of of that world is leadership and culture. You know, those are the only other real areas that uh, you know that I'm often you know listening and trying to grow. Gotcha. That you're so, focused on. Yeah. The other thing is, is you had mentioned being humble, and I think in the uh, you know it's just a nature of a strength and conditioning coach. I think you know the majority of them you're going to find incredibly humble people. And the reason that is, is because they understand um, they are not the ones that propelled you to where you are today. So as I had mentioned, um, I, I've been blessed to work with some amazing athletes, some that are Olympic gold medalists, some professional athletes that are making uh, <laughs> more money than I will ever know. <laughs> and uh, it, it was never truly, and I say this in all sincerity, 
it was never about me. You know, it was about the work that they did. You know, uh, there was uh, I was just speaking at at a, at a university the other day, and uh, the the professor had a uh, an, a very uh, it was it was a very motivational where this paratrooper maybe you've seen it on YouTube but he was an older gentleman and he was a paratrooper a lot of knee injuries back injuries and had had been to many different clinics and they were all saying there's nothing we can do there's nothing we can do um, and so he got the right coach got the right person uh, that just motivated him and said hey we can do this and uh, it was a night and day difference I mean wow. the guy's up running now um, he's lost well over a hundred pounds. He just looks like a different person. And again, just happy again. And, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, happy to be alive or, or, you know, versus he was very, you could tell at the very beginning depressed and not wanting to be in the situation that he was in. And, um, and, and so I say that because while the coach may have provided some insight or some motivation, it was all about that paratrooper's motivation. Mm -hmm. I can say whatever, I can give you a program, I can do whatever. But at the end of the day, it always comes down to the you know, to that individual. Do they yeah. have the motivation? Do they have the drive? Do they have what it takes to get them to where they want to go? I am just a, I am just a small piece of that. And so as a strength coach, really, um, you become humbled very quickly because you understand um, you're just kind of uh, a, a small piece of where that person is trying to get to. And, um, and so, yeah, so that is, uh, it's very humbling to, to see that. <laughs> that is, I love that story. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, you kind of already covered it, but I'm going to ask it again in case you have anything else. What do you think has made you successful? Uh, well, I, again, um, I don't look at myself as successful, uh, and I sh and and I know Colonel Heathman had I listened to his podcast uh, that you had done. Mm -hmm. That was a really good one, and uh, really yeah, always enjoy listening to Colonel Heathman. Um, it doesn't hurt that we're both uh, Patriot fans, so we used to <laughs> we used to talk quite a bit about that. But um, I am a perfectionist and that's not a good thing and it really and truly that isn't a good thing you should be driven towards excellence but I don't think anyone should be driven towards perfection and one of the things Colonel Heathman said that really resonated with me is enjoy the journey enjoy where you are and I don't take enough time to enjoy the journey I'm always trying to figure out what's next what can I do for this person or what can I do for that squadron? What can I do for, and it's, and if I don't get the results that I was hoping for, which in, to be honest with you in this career field, it's incredibly challenging again, in, in every way, like how do you measure success a lot of times? Right, how do you right. measure if I've even made a difference at a squadron? You know, I mean, it's prevention is incredibly challenging. You know, yeah. in all aspects, can I say that you were injured because you only had five hours of sleep last night? That's, you know... That could be a stretch for some people. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and and I say that, you know, the same way with nutrition and, you know, and fitness. And so prevention is uh, incredibly tough to measure. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of times it's just 
trying to see those individual successes of an, you know, uh, when someone comes down and says, hey, Will, uh, you know, I followed your program and uh, it helped me cut a minute and 30 off my, off my run, in, you know, and it, and it helped me pass my fitness assessment. You know, that's, that's awesome for me. Yeah. Um, but like, I, you know, so as far as what has made me successful, I know what hasn't made me successful, and that is, you know, being a perfectionist. I don't know, other than, you know, just my, my passion towards the, the field that I chose, you know, that's probably the, the you know, the biggest thing for me is, is uh, I really love helping people perform at a higher level. So I think that's a huge takeaway, you know, because I think the human mind gets so wrapped up, at least I know I do, is I start thinking about all the failures and stuff like that right. versus, okay, so, so if that's just the given that we're all going to fail at some point, or we could, our mind can manipulate stuff into visualizing it as a failure or not a success or not being able to judge versus... Again, like you said, what Colonel Heathland was, was after, just enjoy the moment, enjoy the journey, yeah. enjoy being able to do what you are passionate about. Right. Or finding passion in whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. You, you know, what, you might not like the whole thing, but a, a something. And that can be success. Right. So it's reframing your, your scope of what success actually is. It's kind of what I hear you, you know, searching. Right. Sure. Is that, is that kind yeah. of what yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and again, I... Apologize, I went off on a tangent there, but I, I think you know the the main takeaway maybe from that is is you know don't strive for perfection because it will hinder you. You know, gotcha. strive for excellence in all you do. You know, I think that is a a much better place to be in because I think if you're striving for excellence, you understand that there's going to be some some failures along the way. But as long as you're striving towards that, then uh, you know you'll 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 do much more good than, than bad. Right. Right. So. Right. There's a uh, Colonel Mercer. when I was interviewing him, he was talking about that as well, about it's really irrational to think that you're going to try something. You're going to be amazing at it the first time out. Right. You're going to suck. Yeah. And you know, rightfully so if you stop to learn. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. What do you think the greatest lesson that you've learned is no pressure? Yeah. <laughs> the greatest lesson. Um, I would say, the greatest lesson, and, and I've probably been a theme here, but uh, is just be humble. You know, so many great leaders I've been around. What makes them great is just being humble, understanding that they don't know everything, understanding that it's not about them. You know, and it's uh, when you're around that, everyone else is contagious, and everyone else wants to follow suit. Everyone else mm -hmm. wants to be better because they're around that individual that is is humble, is just willing to listen to people, you know, and understands they don't have all of the answers. Um, and so, yeah, so I think it's, it's a great world when, you know, when there's no other objectives out there other than just to, to try and make everyone else better. I love that. Thanks. What are you learning now? So I would, so... I would say one of the things that I've been focused on for the last few years is a, a concept that is uh, starting up in, in the Air Force, and it's called a uh, uh, base operational support team. And it's fairly similar to you know what we're doing here at Fairchild with our HPC program. Uh, they're 
They're a five-person team. Okay. And it's a physical therapist, a strength and conditioning coach, a specialist, which um, maybe is a little bit of a, a liaison between the medical group and, and, and leadership. And they're also collecting a lot of the data, the trends, and seeing okay. like... And then they'll go into some of the squadrons that uh, are the most in need of, of assistance, whether it be muscle skeletal care. They also have a behavioral health specialist, so like a psychologist, okay. um, and also a social worker on that team. So there's a five-person team, and they'll go into a squadron, and their whole mission is to really, again, identify what some of the issues are, what some of the barriers are, uh, whether it be muscle skeletal or more, um, you know, uh, behavioral uh, or mental health and uh, really start to address those areas from within versus, again, you know, a lot of times, you know, the, the care uh, that is received is oftentimes reactive. And that's really more due to both parties, right? So as, a, as an individual, generally, I'm not going to go seek treatment or help or assistance unless there is a reason why right. all of a sudden my knee starts to really bother me, then I'm going to go seek treatment, right? And, right. And, and in many ways that can be potentially a little bit reactive. And so these these teams are going to be positioned at certain squadrons. Okay. Um, and they're going to really try and, and focus on well, what has, you know, here are the trends, you know, security forces, you have you know, uh, a high trend, a higher trend than other squadrons with low back. What are some of those reasons and what can we do? And I'm not saying that as a fact, I'm just, that's Example. a hypothetical. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, okay, so muscle skeletal, so now we have a physical therapist, you know, looking at them, you know, maybe ergonomically as well as what they're doing day in and day out. Now you also have the physical therapist, or the strength and conditioning coach that can potentially uh, develop programs that's going to help mitigate that low back pain, um, you know, and then from the, uh, you know, the behavioral health and mental health side of it, you know, what's the culture like over there? Are there, mm -hmm. you know, prevalent with, you know, uh, tobacco use or, you know, you, you name it. Are they right. fatigued? Are they stressed? Or are they witnessing a lot of potentially anxiety and depression? And if so, you know, what are some of the, the causes of that? And so that team really tries to, you know, again, be more proactive and look at it from an environmental standpoint. So uh, I've been, you know, somewhat involved with that from the very beginning, uh, going to uh, a, a few different conferences and, and at Wright-Pat and, okay. and in San Antonio. So that's definitely something I am trying to learn more about and try and understand and, and try and get better at. So that's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's beneficial to everybody they can impact. Yeah, and and I will just uh, you know uh, so how the Air Force is rolling that program out is in 2019. So last year uh, there was 15 bases that uh, we're going to start to implement this. Okay. And then 
you know, in 2000. So we're in, I guess, fiscal year 2020. So sometime around now, there's going to be 15 more bases that are going to okay. get slotted. So positions available so that they can start with those with those uh, teams. And next year, same thing. There's going to be 15 more. Fairchild, we will not get that those slots available until 2022. So fiscal year 22. Okay. So we got a few more years until... Uh, we get that here so but that's important to notice that I mean if you're talking about that many slots per base and right. 15 per so the DOD or the Air Force anyway I'm guessing it'll take hold into the other branches but so they're spending a lot of money because they see the value in this that's yeah re, that's very encouraging to to me anyway yeah you know yeah. And, and so it's really you know the the wings you know and again the wing Air Force in general, uh, seeing that there are, you know, readiness issues, some, you know, and resiliency and, you know, those are some of the, the, the key terms that we talk about quite a bit. And then also the Surgeon General at the time, Sur Surgeon General Edinger, I believe, is the one that, you know, had, had said, you know, what the, the two areas of greatest concern is muscle skeletal and mental health. And so... I think, you know, and I could be wrong, um, but I believe that is where uh, it all originated, uh, originated gotcha. from. But with each new Surgeon General, you know, they've, you know, they've really tried to, you know, um, adapt that program and, and improve it. So That's awesome. But, but those are the, you know, when we look across the Air Force, those are the, the two greatest trends that we're seeing is those muscle skeletal injuries. Uh, I was just at a uh, conference last week, and I believe there's somewhere up around 47 to 49 percent of every individual that goes into to seek treatment is a muscle skeletal, and uh, I'm not exactly sure the percentage of, of mental health, but uh, and behavioral health, but it's probably not too far behind. So uh, we have seen those trends, and so we're trying to address them. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Okay. What motivates you? The story, uh, yeah, the story. So who are you? What are you all about? Um, you had mentioned at the very beginning that we have known each other for quite a few years. And I still remember, you know, the day we met. And I remember, <laughs> uh, you know, you being in one of the classes. And at the end, I remember you talking about, you know, some of the personal things that interest you in life. And, you know, um, I've never forgot that, you wow. know, because that that was what interested you. That was what was important in your life. And I always love the story. You know, I always love the individual story. And I definitely what I do not like is a lot of excuses. I love to see those success stories, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, um, that. And again, it, it can be a, a minor uh, step in a person's life or it can be something major but I just love to see perseverance I love to see winners I love to see people that uh, are always you know trying to figure out how to be successful awesome yeah awesome it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just talking to Chief Reem a little bit ago let him know that I was interviewing you and we were talking about how great of a person you are and I was sharing him right after we first met that I sat down and I asked you a really stupid question. 
And the way that you handled it was extremely humble, extremely nice. <laughs> and then I realized how wrong I was. And I was like, yep, sorry, I'm an idiot. Let me, uh, let me apologize. And I don't know if you remember that uh, or not, but I was the way that you handled that really impressed me because I came into your office and I was like, hey, why don't we do this? You know, just like the good idea fairy. <laughs> and you, you're like, okay, well, let me listen to you. And okay, well, perhaps, you know, maybe look up in this room, maybe look here, maybe look here for that sort of equipment that you're, you're asking about because we already have it. I felt like this small, but you didn't make me feel small. You made me feel... <laughs> Like justifying, you're like, no, it's okay, I get it. And I was like, okay, so he's 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 a badass, and he <laughs> knows how to, you know, put up with an idiot that is coming into his office and asking something stupid. <laughs> we both got a chuckle out of that, though, anyway. So, <laughs> okay, uh, we've been going for a little bit. So before yeah. I end it, yeah, uh, is there anything that you want to yell from a rooftop? about your programs, about, hey, come and see us for this, come and see us for that. I know we've kind of, we've circled the drain on talked about plenty of that stuff, but I, I want to give you an opportunity to just shout it from a rooftop and and sell your stuff if you want. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it, and, and I uh, definitely appreciate this conversation. It's been great. I, I would say the take-homes would be this. From a leadership standpoint, um, you know, I would love to come over and see what you do. Invite me over. Uh, let me see what you do. Let me see how I can uh, potentially help uh, from, a, you know, for me, specialty is, is, is you know, helping develop programs uh, as far as uh, that are unique to your specific demands. Okay. Um, and so let me, in, you know, integrate with you, kind of get to, to know your squadron. Let me look at your ops tempo. I'm not looking to take up and waste a lot of time you know again coming from that strength and conditioning coach you understand uh, the main priority is about the athlete being out on the field and doing what they do so it's me figuring out my little bit of time to help make them improve so that they can be better on the field mm-hmm. and that's really the way I look at it here I'm not looking to uh, you know take up a lot of space and a lot of time but I think even, you know, just a little bit of time can, you know, really make a big difference. So that would be the first. And that's really more from that leadership perspective. Let's help, you know, uh, make improvements from a readiness and performance standpoint. As far as from, you know, mid-level, let's say supervision, you know, from a flight level standpoint, wherever, it, you know, wherever, uh, let's start to develop a relationship, a rapport, so that I can start working, you know, from at the flight level, or I say I, and, and I really mean me and Miss Cresser, uh, the health promotion um, uh, team, uh, and we, you know, we really love to also combine our services as well. As far as you know, if if Allison is doing something nutrition, you know, I like to go over there as well, and you know, and, and listen to what she has to say, and and vice versa for her. Sometimes she'll go, if I'm talking, you know, about something, then, you know, she'll uh, tag team. And if there is something that uh, she can impart from a nutrition standpoint, then she will. Um, So that's, you know, from the the mid-level supervisor's range, let's, you know, let's work together to make sure that those airmen, you know, you know, that's one of the the things that I hear a lot often, you know, 
airmen are the you know often failing the fitness assessments and you know and things mm-hmm. of that nature and and that may be the trend but I think if we start to you know to work with them and be more proactive and again at the end of the day it's always going to be accountability on the individuals you right. know uh, right. perspective so and I get that um, but I think if you know when we look at things from a leadership standpoint I think one of the things that's most crucial and for us to all understand is that we are all leaders, uh, every single one of us. And, and, and simply what I mean by that is, is that's the, the, the basics of leadership, and that is being an influencer. And so right. you can have an airman that's a, an amazing influencer, and, and potentially at, you know, in, in a small section, uh, he is the one influencing everyone out to eat more healthy, uh, yeah. to work out. You know, and you know, people are seeing what he's all about and they love seeing what he is all about. Right. And mm-hmm. so he has influence just by, you know, being him or being her and having other people want to follow. That yeah. is what, you know, at the essence of what a leader is, it's having people want to follow you, not necessarily being that supervisor that's telling them what to do all the time. It's that leader that everyone wants to follow, right? Yeah. And so yeah. when we start to think of it in those terms, we are truly all leaders. And you can influence someone in a positive manner or you can influence someone in a not-so-positive manner, right? So yeah. we, we'll see yeah. different squadrons that you know maybe uh, have, a let's say, a high smokeless tobacco rate. Why is that? You know, is it that career field promotes smokeless tobacco? No, it is because... The individuals that are the greatest influencers at that squadron are smokeless tobacco users. So we can choose, gotcha. to, you know, so it's it's all about uh, influencing, you know, people. So I say that for, you know, that that mid-level supervision to understand that and appreciate the response, the powerful responsibility uh, that they have. And so, you know, bring them over to us. And what does that airman see? they see that that supervisor cares about me, you know? And he's, not only does he care about me, that he cares about us and he's a part of this because he's with me, you know? He's joined that running clinic. He's joined that nutrition class. You know, he has invited, you know, health promotion or whoever it is um, over because he cares, you know? So, you know, I think that's incredibly important. The last thing is, is just to understand what, you know, how we can best um, help the individual. And that is potentially just being a accountability coach, a mentor, but it's building that rapport. Um, You know, a person much smarter than I once said, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And oftentimes the helping agencies, we unfortunately don't we get into helping agencies because we truly care about individuals and wanting to help them? Yeah. Unfortunately, people come over uh, and maybe they just have that one session or that one consult, and so they don't truly understand and get to build that rapport with that you know with that individual. And again, that's not specific to health promotion. That's all of our helping agencies. Right. And so, yeah. the more we can build that rapport, 
uh, you know, I think the, the greater success you're going to have with whoever you're working with. So, you know, build that rapport with us. And uh, I, I guess that is that is my la- my, my three take home messages, three take home messages. Yep. Awesome. From a leadership standpoint, from a mid-level supervision and then from the individual. I love it. Yep. I love it. Will, thanks for your time. Yeah. I appreciate it. You are awesome. This is a great. I learned a lot. I don't know. Hopefully the the listener got as much out of this. This is the best part about doing this is I feel like I grow so much from these. And this is awesome. You, your insight was amazing. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hopefully uh, I, I, I ramble a little bit. So hopefully uh, they've, they've tuned in throughout the whole thing. <laughs> I'll put a disclaimer at the bottom. Right. We should be good. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Appreciate thank it. you. Yeah. So that's it. This is uh, the Refuel Team Fairchild podcast. Again, I'm your host, Master Sergeant Lance Haas. If you have a show idea or anybody that you would like to hear from on this show, please contact us at refuelteamfairchild at gmail.com.